You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. All right. Hey, Rifters. Welcome to the show. Subscribe, rate, and review. I'm in uh this is a special show. We're in the green room at the Bray Improv with my guest, the great Jimmy Shim. Jimmy, who has a stand-up special on Amazon Prime called Walk of Shame, W-O-K. And he's a fellow comedian who I just had the pleasure of working with this weekend. And uh, apparently, you've been doing it for 15 years as well. 15 years. And it's our first time crossing paths. Yeah, which is kind of a weird thing, right? Yeah. Because uh, I I find it it's very hard like when I meet people who've been doing it at the same time it's like I've heard of you but I've never crossed your path yeah and I remember when I first met you I thought you were a Rex Nevermind <laughs> <laughs> yeah you thought I was Filipino which is the wrong race I'm Korean um, yeah no that's that made me like you a lot really from the gate oh yeah because I. <laughs> I thought at first, like, it was a, I don't know, I thought you wanted to punch me. I was like, holy <laughs> lord. So, Jimmy, uh, uh, how's it going? You, you doing good? You're on this uh, straight of, straight out rehab tour with uh, Jay Moore. So, tell us, how did you get connected on that? Um, just uh, met Jay, actually, prior to him getting sober. And we were doing shows together. And then after he got sober, we were hanging out, you know, going to meetings and stuff working the program mm. and uh yeah he asked me to do the show the bray improv and i couldn't say no to that because this is such a great venue is this your first time at this venue no i've been here before but at, uh, first time since the pandemic though right yeah uh, i meant like because uh, this is new this is like two years new it used to be across the street yeah no i've been to the new one. Oh, you have yeah 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 no which one do you like better um I don't think I've been to the old one, so I can't, couldn't really compare just the new one. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The old one was like uh, maybe 360, but it was really intimate. Like, I, I, I like crowds that are just crunched in. This one's like theatery, which is still great. Yeah. But, uh, so what was your, your uh, tell the folks at home, if you, if you don't want to talk about it, I, I totally get it. But what was your, like, how do you get into drugs? And like, what was... And what was your path like to say, hey, listen, I got to stop doing this? Well, yeah, I, I tell jokes about it. But when I was a kid, about 12 years old, my parents owned a convenience store, mm-hmm. which probably shouldn't be a surprise since I'm Korean. Right. And they used to have liquor there yeah. and sell liquor. And so I remember at being 12 years old, stealing liquor from there. From your own parents. Yeah. Yeah. Holy Lord. And so um, <laughs> you wouldn't you would be surprised how fast I became the cool kid at school. Because I was a kid with alcohol, you know, the same guys who would say racial slurs like Ching Chong Chinaman would be like, what's up, Jimmy? Where the party's at, man? And like literally overnight, I became like the Asian sensation. So you became Mr. Popular. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was my route, you know, to being the cool kid, having lots of friends, getting girls. And so I started at a very young age. So your, your first drug of choice was alcohol. Yes. Obviously. Yes. And uh, my mom is a recovering alcoholic, so I, I've, act, to be honest, I've probably only tasted alcohol maybe 10 times my entire life. So it's never really gotten, and I think maybe because I grew up with my mom just being sickly on the, on the, you know, the couch, I've never been turned on to it. 
you know what I mean? Yeah. So like I was thinking, is that something that, do you think that that's something for most people who have addicts in their family to... Actually, no. It t- turned you away. And I remember my dad was also an alcoholic. He's now got about 30 years sober. But he was also an alcoholic. I remember thinking as a kid, I would never be like him. That I would never get into drinking and all that. You know, because he caused so much devastation in our family. But if you got it, you got it. It's the ism, you know. It's a disease. It's a sickness. And if you've got it, even if you, you know, want to avoid it, you, you probably, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you might not have the gene for uh, alcoholism. Just because your parent has the gene doesn't mean that you do. I think a lot of uh, people with Asperger's don't drink. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know why. Because, like, uh, you know, I do take Xanax, but I don't I don't uh, do it to get high. I do it to just socialize and stay calm. See, that alone tells me you're not an addict. Yeah. Because I can't take even Xanax like a gentleman yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean I will if take I, the whole prescription I remember I took one yesterday and you're like what's that like, yeah. you're all worried for me well, I wasn't worried <laughs> I almost I got triggered bro I almost wanted to fucking <laughs> snag it out of your hand like a pebble <laughs> from fucking kung fu and fucking just take it you know but no it, it doesn't affect me but I, it still does like what is that you know like whenever someone takes a pill yeah. it interests me because I was a pill head for a while too oh really yeah what was your uh, was I was into opiates um, you know started with Vicodin and then ended up with Oxys um, then I was a Xanimal for a while or that for those of you at home that don't know what that is that's someone who takes just copious amounts of Xanax like I remember taking like three four bars at a time yeah. and I would eat them like candy and yeah. then uh, you'd just black out and you'd end up uh, having a good night you think yeah. you know but you could end up naked in the bush too right and that's not so much good because yeah. you get bushes on your butt yeah you get yeah you get like all <laughs> kinds of prickly stuff going up your butt yeah so when you decide to get to get sober what, like, what, because I don't know much about you. What, what do you do before comedy? You know, like, before comedy, believe it or not, I went to law school. Law school. And it wasn't my dream, it was my dad's dream. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid, my dad had a vision board on the wall, and it said, Jimmy Shin, attorney at law. And it had even the little legal scales that you see on business cards. Right. And so I'm all for vision boards, but it has to be your vision board. Right. And so I remember waking up and looking at the vision board and going, one day I'm going to be an attorney. And it fucking worked. I, you know, I somehow got my way through school, got my way through law school. And uh, yeah, and, and while I, but the crazy part is while I was in law school, I was also escaping still. And my drugs uh, escalated, you know, or my drug addiction and drug selling and I ended up getting busted. You sold drugs? I too? sold drugs too. Wow. Yeah, for me it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. You know, um that's very pretty gnarly. Yeah. Well back then it was weed, but I got caught with pounds of weed, but it was a felony back then. Right. And I got caught with like a pound and a half. And uh I remember, you know, going to jail. You wow. Know, and then my dad found out, you know, through a letter in the fucking mail. You know, it was like a, a a court letter wow. and he was and he and it was just maybe one of the worst you know to be honest going to jail wasn't as bad as like my parents finding out right you know because they thought i was this 
guy who had this bright future, this you know studious law student. Yeah. You know, and it was a, a very very tough time for myself and my family. And you say like a pound of weed, which if that happened nowadays, I don't think you would get jail. You might like get a slap on the. F- like I don't think it's as serious as it is now that it was back then. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah, right now it's it's legal. Yeah. You know, and it was in the state of California. Yeah. You know, like I'm friends with Andy Dick, and Andy Andy always says, uh, "I can't wait to get arrested so I can see guys." <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, he might actually like it in the in jail. <laughs> so now you're, so are you a lawyer now, or did you? Well, I got my law degree, uh-huh. but while I was on probation, I found stand up because I was selling cars. I was living at my parents' house in my old room, mm-hmm. you know, bedroom, and the vision board was still up there yeah. you know and uh, I was super depressed and my f- friend invited me to an open mic and I went to that open mic and there was a lot of shitty comics there right and I remember thinking I could do better than this <laughs> or I could stay on that same level shitty yeah yeah at least be shitty I knew that I knew I would at least uh, hit the uh, requirement of shitty yeah and so uh, yeah I got my you know best five minutes of material together which was mostly dick jokes and, you know, know, uh, really hacky one-liners, and then uh, went up there the following week. Do you think that, uh, I think it's pretty normal for a lot of new comics to start off with uh, dick jokes or hacky material, and I'm not saying, like, they stole it, they probably wrote something similar, but probably, like, Oh, yeah. it up. Do you think that's normal for a lot of newcomer comics? I do. Because just like music, first you got to play cover music. Yeah. You know, I don't think anyone picks up the guitar and just starts writing fucking great music. Right. You know what I mean? First they cover the Rolling Stones or they cover, you know, Led Zeppelin or something. You know what I mean? And then they might write some, some of their own songs, right? Um, yeah. Where, where do you start in comedy, though? What do you mean? Like, was it in Los Angeles? No, it was in Tacoma, Washington, where oh, I grew Washington. up, and where my parents still live. And, How far uh, is that from Seattle? About an hour. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah, it was a great scene. It's more urban. Yeah. And so it was a great place to develop as a comedian. And in fact, I'm very grateful that I developed outside of L.A. You know, yeah. in Tacoma, because it was a great place. That's probably like, I think that's probably one of the... Jay Moore's dog snoring, if you guys can hear that in the... <laughs> It's the cutest dog, too. Oh, my God. It, like, I have a beagle, and my beagle's cute, but I kind of want to get rid of it for Jay's dog. <laughs> you know? Gonna trade it in? You ever see, like, something, you're like, oh, I love my dog. <laughs> and then you see someone else's dog, you're like, my dog fucking sucks. <laughs> I felt like that with my parents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I was gonna say is, I think, like, that's... That's uh, fascinating uh, when comics don't start in L.A. and then they move to L.A. Yeah. And I think that that kind of helps because you see, like, Seattle, Washington, you know, I've been there, you know what I mean? I've done shows there. It seems that it's a very supportive, uh, like, audiences are there to laugh. When L.A., it's all about who do you know, how many followers do you have, stuff like that. You know what I mean? So I think you could really grow outside of L.A. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? 
Yeah. Yeah. I do agree. Oh, uh, yeah. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree with you heavily. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, and... Uh, no, I agree with that. And then you, you also produce your own shows, too. Yeah, I produced the Shindig show. I started in uh, at the Comedy Store. Mm-hmm. And this was before the big boom happened, you know. Uh, and uh, Before Tommy uh, Morris got canned. Well, actually, right after he got canned. Yeah, and that, then Adam started. That's, that's the, when I started. That's the Comedy Store ago. boom, yeah. Yeah, and then the Comedy Store just boomed after that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was right in the middle of it, yeah. thankfully. So what gave you that idea to to do a show like to produce your own show were you having a uh, trouble getting booked and you thought yeah yeah I think we all start because we want spots right and then um, and to trade spots but I also trade knew spots. what do you mean like you know if you have your own show you can book other comedians who also have their own shows oh okay. and then and you then, can trade okay. a spot you right, know? like right. I'll book you for my show and you book me for yours right, right? Okay. so um but I also knew that I had a gift for promoting. Yeah. Like I was a club promoter during my using days up in Seattle. And some of the biggest clubs up there. And so I knew how to, you know, sort of hype up a, a, a club or a night or, or a show. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then when did you start getting like these friendships with, because uh, I know you told me before you're friends with Bill Burr. And you said, like, a lot of comics have done guest sets on your show. Like, how did you establish that? Well, I guess that's the biggest benefit of being at the comedy store. Is right. you got the biggest comedians in the world asking you for spots. Like, I would, if I showed you, like, my, my text threads. Which it would you be, like, have the, the coolest phone. Oh, the thank way. you. Yeah, it's the new Samsung Flip. Yeah. Samsung, give me some money. <laughs> plug in your phone. Uh, but yeah, no, this, yeah, this is a very cool I like, one. I think it's cool because it has a keychain. Yeah. Well, this is just the, uh, the, the casing. Oh. It doesn't oh, come oh. like that, but, but I have that just in case you drop it or something and you can also like hold it like that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this is about <laughs> the phone, is it? Is <laughs> Samsung should seriously give us both money yeah. because you talked more about this phone than you did about my <laughs> comedy life. No, no. So, uh, so you're doing shows at the comedy store. People are hitting you up for spots. Yeah. So like. Yeah. So you just meet everyone, you know, and you build relationships. And fortunately, I was sober and didn't fuck anything up or burn any bridges or fuck anyone over. And so I'm still friends with all of them. They still do shows with me and I've went on you know tour with different people and yeah. you know um, who just are, been lucky who are some of the guys you, you've gone on the road with um, Daryl Hammond Daryl Hammond it's SNL, SNL. Um, uh, road gigs who else uh, do you think road gigs Shang Shang yeah do you know I, Shang I know Shang my yeah. my my, uh, my manager is Shang's manager oh okay and uh I could probably get canceled, but whatever. Um, so, like, uh, Shang is my manager, is one of his biggest clients or whatever, right? And he's like, why can't you be more like Shang or whatever? And I'm all like, that's not really my type of humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, I, I go to the path of, because how I got, you know, I toured with Norm MacDonald and I toured with Jay. I, I toured with Jeremy Hotz. I toured with people who are very humble. And it's not really not not the business side. It's just about making people laugh. So that's what I care about. You know what I mean? But like Shane's always promoting and stuff. It's like I try my hardest to do it, but that's just not 
one of my uh, gifts. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think, you know, if you're a new comic out there, you have to really uh, leverage your gifts yeah. and know what you, though they are. Yeah, you gotta you stay know. in your lane. Stay in your lane. You know, that's what I did as I looked at what my strengths were, and I just really pivoted those. Yeah, and then you were also on the Tonight Show. I was on the Tonight Show. I you did, did little, some research. I, of course, I did. Because <laughs> I, I hit you up on the Facebook randomly. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, Jimmy, want to do a podcast? <laughs> I seriously thought you were going to say no. Why? I don't know. I just felt like I was like, I don't think this guy likes me, but I was like. I, but I want you to know I was very intrigued by you because I think you're a very nice guy. Oh, thanks, man. You know what I mean? So I was like, you know what? I would love to talk to him. So thank you for saying yes. But yeah, I thought you were going to say no. Hmm, okay. <laughs> should have said no to prove your own point. But, <laughs> but the Tonight Show, how, how was that? Like, how did you get that? Um, back then I had an agent uh -huh. and um, it was during Jay Leno. This was like three, four years ago. Or maybe not five years ago, fuck. The pandemic just made me like lose all track yeah. of time. Uh, can you curse on this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Say whatever um, you want, man. So I played Kim Jong-un right. on uh, a couple episodes. And then they fucking loved me there. I don't know what it was, but you know, I was just doing their lines and everything. And then they started looking me up on YouTube, yeah. you know, seeing if, what else I had done. And then they saw my stand-up. And they were like, fucking come come do stand-up. Yeah. And so I ended up doing stand-up and Jay came over to me and, you know, and said I was very funny and it was just like, you know, surreal, yeah. you know? Um, he's getting applauses. Should we pause to see how he's doing? No, he's doing good. Okay, so, I'm sorry, this is for I the folks. We time. Yeah, we got good time. Okay, so Jay said you were great. Was Jay like your Carson? Jay, yeah, Jay, Jay, Jay was Leno. like my Carson, yeah. yeah. But except if during Carson, if you did the Tonight Show, you it could make your whole career. Yeah. You know, but nowadays it's like barely, you know, it's a credit. Yeah. It's just another credit. And it doesn't really make your career. Like, I get more people from, like, that know me through doing, you know, a podcast <laughs> sometimes right. than, you know what I mean? Podcast is like, that. that's the thing that I think a lot of... Because I don't just interview comedians, I interview like authors and actors and stuff. I think a lot of people don't realize how powerful a podcast is because yeah. it'll always be there. You might not get the listeners immediately, but it'll always be there forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I think like they're very helpful in our field. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the new way to, to uh, interview people, I think. You yeah. know? It's the best way. And so it's not, far, it's, you know? it's not just eight minutes where it's like, where it's 30 to 45 minutes, you can actually know the artist and know their beliefs and stuff. Yeah. That's why I like it. You know? Yeah. But, um, so have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I actually have one. It's called Second Chances. Second Chances. So you didn't really do that thorough research. No, huh? no. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's called Second Chances. It's sort of a recovery podcast, but it's just people that have second chances at life. Mm -hmm. um, it can be cancer people. And we've had everyone from Margaret Cho to, you know, Daryl Hammond right. to, uh, you know, just now, everybody. Now, since I didn't do my research, do you interview these people, or do or like how's your your podcast? Yeah, we do an interview. Um, I do the podcast with Greg Baldwin. 
and we both Greg Baldwin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So we just you know him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, he he's on in Jay's rotation too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so we. Uh, I thought he toured with Hammond. He does yeah. with Hammond as well. Yeah, you know I mean, we are all sort of incestuous that way, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we're all you know working together. Um, another reason is you know we're all sober, yeah. so it's you know sometimes nice to do it with people that are sober. You know? Aren't aren't I mean it's great that you're sober, but did you do comedy when you weren't sober? Oh yeah. Okay, so do explain like the differences. Like do 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 you feel more accomplished now as an artist? Because I know like a lot of comics do drugs to feel accomplished. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, no, um, it was like a, a, a crutch, right. you know, so it would just give me that courage, um, and, you know, I, I thought it made me funnier because it gave me no sort of filter, right. you know, but also it could make make it into a train wreck, yeah. it could go either way, either you're going to absolutely kill because you just went unfiltered and it worked, or you went off the rails and fucking nobody can understand you and you're just talking gibberish yeah. and you think you killed, <laughs> you know? Well, one of my favorite comics was Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. And he died the year I started, you know? And I, I remember I, I met him briefly, very briefly. And I thought like, oh, this guy's like very quiet. I would never tell, could tell he had a heroin yeah. problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had a big time heroin yeah. problem. So I think like that to me, like imagine if he was sober, imagine how genius, like I don't know if you're a Mitch Hedberg fan, but imagine. Big time. Yeah, but imagine but how. I hate to say it, but I, from what I hear, I never did heroin. Right. But heroin makes you creative. Does it? And he's a very creative, witty, clever guy. Uh-huh. And I, I wonder if it helped him. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. But I wonder, I mean, look at the greatest songwriters. Right. Let's start with Nirvana. Uh, Kurt Cobain. Yeah. He was a big time heroin addict. Could he have come up with grunge without it? And I'm not sitting here advocating heroin. heroin. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? By the way, you but, stay yeah, yeah, sober, yeah, but yeah, do heroin. Obviously, it's better. It's not worth it. But it does make you creative, yeah. is from what I hear. And I could see why, because it makes you unfiltered. Right. You know, sometimes we have a little you know, uh, filter in our head, like, I shouldn't say that, or I shouldn't do that. Right? Right. It just gets rid of, you know, all inhibition, you know, and there's something creative about that when you don't have any inhibitions. Yeah. Now, when you do uh, comedy with your your people that are sober and, you know, the rehab stuff, do you do, you said they all connect, you guys all connect with Daryl and Greg Baldwin and all that stuff. So do you guys all have that same goal? to like make people laugh like that or do you just connect through the waves like how did you meet these people I met them through recovery right you know and then um, you know being comedians I actually got Greg started in, in stand up oh um, that's awesome yeah yeah I got him started but um, so you were his mentor I wouldn't say that but yeah I definitely was a big influence in his life you yeah. know as far as comedy goes right and then he helped me he has more time than I do in recovery, so he helped me a lot with with uh, recovery. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I was gonna bring my mom tonight, but she's not in her ninety days, so I didn't want her to feel tempted because there's you know all these uh, 
I mean, we're all in the green room with no alcohol or whatever, but like, it's a club, there's alcohol everywhere. Oh, yeah. So she could get it by turning around, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Best she stays away for at least, at least 90 days, yeah. if not more. And you're a big social, you're Instagramming while doing a podcast. <laughs> That's very talented because I only could do one thing, like make sure this is recording. And then, but no, I did listen. I was driving on the way over here and I did listen to an interview you did. It was, it was called a Drunk Alcoholics or something. It was, well, it, I, and I've done so many. Podcasts. I will get this full name, but uh, I, I remember. On the interview, you were saying a drunkalogs, drunkalogs. Yes, yeah. I remember in the interview you were saying that um, you you uh, produce your own shows, not just in LA but all over. Yes. So like, like, what gave you that idea? Well, I just wanted to take it further than Los Angeles. You know right. what I mean? And then I just started doing uh, all the improvs at Levity Lives. Um, so I was fortunate enough to just get in with them. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I was taking the Shindig show pretty much all over the West Coast, a little bit on the uh, South a little bit. Now, do you have an e- email list? Like, So like when you go to Florida or whatever, you just send it and then they say, oh, you're there? Not no? in Florida, but... Some, I was just giving yeah, an some, yeah, yeah, California for sure. Right. You know, just the emails that I built up over time. Uh-huh. Um, being at the comedy store mostly, yeah. you know, you but see, don't you think thousands that, of people? Don't you think that's fascinating how this show starts at the comedy store and then you know you set yourself, you've gone to all these other clubs. Like I think that's a very that shows what kind of work ethic you had. Yeah. So I think that's awesome because I'm like when clo- clubs give me a night, I'll promote the best I can. But dude, I've done shows where there's nobody in the audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. That's why I don't get a lot of work, I guess, because like I, I'm not the best, you know what I mean? So like, what are your advices like uh, for people like that? You know what I mean? Well, first of all, again, play to your strengths. You know what I mean? If you're not a promoter, then don't promote. Right. Um, you know, do these days. I think you got to do more than just do comedy mm-hmm. to make a, a good, good living. You know, right. and for me, it's producing and comedy. And then the for cum other rags. People. Yeah, yeah, the cum rags is a very lucrative addition yeah. to the uh, income. And uh, yeah, but whatever your thing is, yours is podcasting, right? Yeah. So yeah, whatever your thing is, make sure you leverage your strengths and don't worry about your weaknesses so much, you know? One of the things that I really do enjoy about uh, podcasting is because I, everyone I interview, I feel like they could teach me something. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, you know, everyone says Chappelle is the best comic of all time, right? I feel like, let's stop talking about Chappelle and let's be the best comic. You know what I mean? Like, so in my case, I want to be the best comic. In your case, you want to be the best comic. I feel the only way to get that is interviewing people who are stronger at you, sometimes even weaker at you, and you can learn things. Yeah. You know? That's just my philosophy. For sure. I'm very crazy, huh? <laughs> no, that's that's exactly why I do it too. Yeah, you know, you want to meet people and learn. Yeah, and the best way to do that is you know interview them and ask the questions you want to know about. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, so, of all the podcast interviews you do, was this one worth it for a last second 
spray him. No, this was great. You're actually a great interviewer. Oh, really? Um, yeah, you're better than I thought you would be. Oh, awesome. <laughs> awesome. I thought you I was like, I was like, okay, if I could get him to punch me in the face in five minutes. <laughs> no, this was a good interview. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, we had good little uh, balance of humor and, and, and information and, and inspiration. Then, and next, it's got everything you want for ne- a good ne- podcast. Next time we'll do the studio with the co-host. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I like that. And then, you know, it's more rifting because he's laughing at my lame jokes. And then you'll feel like I got to laugh because this guy laughs crazy. And I just don't want him to laugh anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I always close the show on one question. And it's a question that if you've never experienced it with this, that's fine. But you could just like talk about if it's ever like you'll get it have you ever met John Cusack no no I would love to though you would love to yeah my cousin met him yeah and he hit on her she's cute so he hit on her oh on a plane oh nice (laughs) tell us that story I don't know the exact story but I remember my girl my not my girlfriend my cousin going yeah I met John Cusack and he was like hitting on me on the plane, I go. That seems like John. What John Cusack would do, yeah. right? Did, did he say anything? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, uh, I, uh, I have a huge John Cusack obsession. Like it, it's, um, I think he's the greatest actor and artist, and I also think he's a philosopher, and I also think he's one of those guys who could do stand-up comedy if he wanted to. Yeah, oh, he could do anything. You know what he's I mean? got such a wide uh, range of work. Yeah. Right? Like, he's in, like, funny stuff, rom-coms, dramas. Did you see him in, uh, uh, inst- is it not Instinct, but... Uh, uh, the identity. Identity, yeah. Identity. One of the best movies ever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. He's great in that. So, I'll tell you this. Uh, I opened up for Jeremy Piven once, and I didn't, I didn't really... I work it, with him a lot too. Yeah. And uh, he's a great guy. But, like, uh, you know, when you're hosting a show, you can't, because I have an hour of material, you know, that's all I have. It's probably only a good 55 minutes. But when you're hosting a show, you usually only do 10 minutes. So, like, it's hard to do certain jokes. That's not the point. The point is, I opened up for Jeremy Piven and I did my John Cusack jokes. I was like, oh, I'm the John Cusack account, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, I'm working with Serendi- with uh, Jeremy Piven, and that's serendipity. Like, that, after five minutes, that was a joke. And then uh, after a show, he just comes up to me, he's like, I was really offended by that joke. I was like, you're the one who did the fucking movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. turns out they had a huge falling out. But I feel like, why would you be offended by something you've done? You know, apparently he's very sensitive yeah so like I feel like if I ever interview him and I ask him that question it's gonna be a punch in the face <laughs> alright Jimmy where can the folks at home follow you and buy a comrade uh, <laughs> um, you can on my website it's jimmyshindig.com and then you explain can explain what the comrade is the comrade I, I, I don't know someone said that I should make some merch and I was thinking of creative you know, things that match some of my jokes. Yeah. And I do a few jokes about cum rags. And so I was like, what would be better than walk of shame cum rags? 
And I got to tell you, they've been my best seller. They sell better than my t-shirts. Yeah. Um, and it keeps on coming. <laughs> All right. Where can the folks follow you? I am Jimmy Shin on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Thanks so much, Jimmy. I appreciate it. All right. It was fun talking to you, man. All right, buddy. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.